As our band transitions off the stage, go ahead and take your Bibles or take your Scripture journals, if you have that, and turn to John chapter 4, beginning in verse 46. Beginning in verse 46. What we're looking at is we're continuing on in our study in the Gospel of John, page 26 in your Scripture journal. Now, here's what I want to do even before that. If you are a kid in our service, if you are a kid in our service, I want you to stand up right where you're at, if you would, please. And this is the only, Pastor Henry is going to give you permission. If you need to, go ahead, you can stand up in your seat, okay? I know, I know, we'll be okay, we'll, we'll come, I'll come back finally. Church, I want you to look around. This is our church right here, amen? Now, boys and girls, y'all gonna have a seat. Y'all gonna have a seat, okay? But here's what I want you. Here's what I want you to know. We are so excited to have y'all in here with us today. Are we not excited to have everyone together? That is the whole point of what we're becoming, what we're seeking to transition to with this first Sunday. We want this first Sunday to be a time where we gather together as one big faith family and we grow together, we sing together, we celebrate baptisms together, and we are going to see so much happen in that. And that's what I'm believing and praying for Jesus to do in our church. Now, I want to tell you real quick about the cross over here. Some of you may have seen this. You may be wondering, why do we have some lights on there. there. There are 50 lights on this cross over here. And I, if you remember, when I first shared with the church my vision, my heartbeat for this church, and even my first Sunday, I talked about the fact that we are coming up as a church on 50 years of ministry up here at Smoke Rise Baptist Church. 50 years of proclaiming Jesus to our community, to our state, and to across the world as we've gone overseas with missions. And so what I'm praying for and what we are beginning, and we have saw six of these happen today, what our prayer is is that we would see 50 steps taken by people in our congregation or through our congregation in towards proclaiming and following Jesus in the 50 years of ministry. We celebrate 50 years, May 31st of 2020. J- June 1st was our first day incorporated as a body, as a church here uh, at, at Smoke Rise Baptist Church. So May 31st, we, that's, the, that's the tentative date on that. Uh, we, we plan on coming together and celebrating that. And what we're looking forward to is seeing every one of these light bulbs lit up as a step that someone has taken towards following and proclaiming Jesus. Is that not exciting, church? These steps... These steps are going to include anyone who who goes through baptism, anyone who takes the step of proclaiming their faith publicly through baptism. Uh, Maybe it's someone that is joining our church. We had, uh, I believe we had eight to nine people in our growth track this morning. We're excited and celebrate that. Those that have decided to join us in membership, they too will have a light bulb that will be lit up next Sunday. And our goal is as we go leading up to that time that we would see these lights begin to click on 
just throughout, throughout the cross until finally we see the cross lit up on full display, shining the truth and the work that God is doing. So here's what I would ask us to do. If you would, let's pray real quick. And we, we, I want us to pray that God would give us the boldness, give us the opportunity that we would see these steps come about. Let's pray. Father God, we bless your name and we thank you for the work that you're doing. God, we ask that you would have your way now. God, as you have established this church and you have done so much through the years that it has been here, God, and we're looking forward to another 50 years. God, as we lead up to that time, we want to actively follow and proclaim you. We desire to be a people proclaiming Jesus to everyone, everywhere, every day, God. And so if whatever those steps look like, God, we want to see you glorified. So God, I pray that we would just be reminded, we'd be encouraged of the work that you're doing, God, and you would stir within our hearts to have the opportunity to be part of this good work. We love you and bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what I was saying, those steps can be baptism, uh, someone joining our church in membership, partnering with us in membership, uh, or it could be someone that comes and comes to know the Lord through a service. It could be someone that comes to, comes to know the Lord through you sharing your faith throughout the week. If you have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ and you have the opportunity to share Jesus with them and they give their life to Christ, let us know about that so we can celebrate that as a step that we take as a congregation. Now, Today, as we said, we've got our kids in here, so my goal is, I, it's, it, it's going to be hard for Pastor Henry, but I have done everything I can to work with you, and I'm going to get us I'm, 25 minutes, starting right now, okay? I, some of y'all actually sitting there setting the clock going, okay, here we go. I know how y'all are. But I want to I talk with you kids, and kids, I want y'all to pay, specific, pay special attention. And if your mom and dad got a worship guide, or your grandma and grandpa, or so, whoever you came with, has a worship guide, the little worship guide, it has a spot to take notes. And I want to encourage each of you to take notes this morning. They're going to be simple notes that you can write down. You'll see them up on the screen. If you take notes, Pastor Henry and Miss Alicia, our children's minister, will be good. You come find one of us after service. And we have a gift for you on that, okay? Because I want you to understand that you are just as important in this church and in this ministry as any of the adults sitting in here. In fact, all of us are made in the image of God, and we have been called to proclaim Him and to love Him. And we're looking at that throughout the book of John. As we're in this book of John, we've been studying, boys and girls, about the life of Jesus, looking in the gospel book of John. And what I want us to see is our main focus is to help us believe and to grow in our trust and love for Him. Boys and girls, if God, if God has not worked in your life, our prayer is that you would understand who Jesus is and what He has come to do for you, what He's come to give us. If you're an adult in here and you've never put your trust in Jesus, we want you to know it's all about Him. And that's our focus. What we want all of us today to know today is this, and this is the first note. The first note, you've got blanks that you can fill in. Adults, again, you can, if you have your scripture drawn, I encourage you to take notes in there as well. But this is, before anything else, we want you to understand. We believe Jesus is our Savior King. We believe Jesus is our Savior King. 
Now, if, you, if you have trouble spelling Savior, you can just draw a cross right there where the word Savior would be. And if you have trouble spelling King, you can just draw a little crown right there. However, however you need to, to make notes to help you understand what we're talking about, we believe Jesus is Savior King. Before anything else, above all else, never forget what we want to understand is the truth and the reality of what Jesus came to do. And we see this displayed in the passage we're looking at today. Today we get another front row seat of the work that God's doing, of what he comes, how he comes to show himself as the Savior King so we can understand it. And we see two things, namely his authority and we see his power. And there's an invitation for each of us. There's an invitation for all of us to respond to this authority and power. So let's look at John chapter 4, beginning in verse 46. It says, So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water one. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When, he, when this man heard that Jesus had come from, Ju, from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the eleventh hour, the fever left him. And he remembered, and the father knew that 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 was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This now was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in, in Aramaic called uh, Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew and knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. And when the water is stirred up and when and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now this, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. To, to, for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, the man who said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The, ma- the man went away and told the Jews that, he, that it was Jesus who had healed him. 
And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only he was, was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, what we see, again, with our takeaway, is that Jesus is our Savior King. And He shows this in two particular ways. First off, boys and girls, write this down on the screen. You're going to see He tells us and He shows us that Jesus has authority over all things. Jesus' authority is over everything. Everything that we have, everything we believe in, we need to understand that Jesus' authority is over all people. You got that, Michaela? You throw that up there. Uh, she's, she's working on it. It's coming. If you, if you, need, if you need help spelling, the, the blank is authority, all right? If you need help spelling that, ask your mom and dad or it'll be up there in a minute. But Jesus' authority, what we see, is Jesus having authority over all things, over everything, everyone, every sickness, every struggle that we face. And what we see, notice the wide spectrum pattern that is repeated here. There's a wide spectrum pattern that is repeated here within this passage that we just saw in John chapter 3 and chapter 4. John chapter 3, we saw Jesus interacting with Nicodemus, who was a well-known man. He was a moral man. He was a religious man. And he gives him the challenge and tells him that it is only through him, it is only through Jesus, that we have this hope. So we have to, he says, you have to believe in him and be born again. But then you have the Samaritan woman who is unnamed, who is immoral, who, has, who is an outcast in society. And guess what? Jesus speaks and ministers to her just as he did with Nicodemus. And we see the same thing happening here. We have this official who is a, who is a secular official who comes, and, who comes to see Jesus possibly on foot at least 20 miles away. And the son had just recently got sick and was at the point of death. And the dad was desperate. And this official comes who has all power, so much power, so much, so much money, so much influence. But he can't heal his son. And then we see in chapter 5, we see Jesus interacting with what is referred to in Scripture as an invalid of 38 years. You know what that word invalid means? It means invalid worth nothing. You have an invalid, and Jesus goes and speaks to him and ministers to him who has been that way for 38 plus years. And in all these things, Jesus is breaking down the spectrum of what it means to matter. Boys and girls, I want you to understand one thing and one thing only. You matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus Christ. We believe here at this church that we are made in the image of God, therefore we matter to God. I matter to God, you matter to God, so guess what? Y'all matter to us. And what we want you to see is that Jesus has authority over everyone and everything. What does he do? It doesn't matter who Jesus is interacting, whether it's the official, the invalid, whether it's Nicodemus, the, the, the member of the Sanhedrin, or the immoral Samaritan woman. We see this battle, we see Jesus breaking down these barriers 
and showing himself as our Savior King for anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter to him. And my question is, why does it so often matter to us? Why does it so often matter to us? We're guilty of this to some degree and another. We can all be guilty of looking at people and measuring them up, seeing who matters and who doesn't. Now, we would never admit that. We would never, we would never at all in any way declare that and say, well, yeah, that's how I feel. But if we look, we establish categories that we use to make decisions in everyday life, do we not? And in those decisions, we're gauging and categorizing people and situations. He's loose. And what we have to see that Jesus doesn't make those categories. Jesus comes and says, no, it doesn't matter if you have everything or you have nothing. I've come to show authority. I have authority over all. Parents, if we're not careful, we can do this with our, within our kids, even subconsciously. We encourage our kids to be friends with certain people. We encourage our kids to be part of certain groups, to do certain activities. Why? Because even subconsciously we categorize our lives. And the reality is, is we do it as adults too. What we need to see is Jesus has come to be Savior King, and He's Savior King over anyone and everyone. And what He's called us to do is to first and foremost look and see His authority, to see who He is. What we see here is Jesus being bigger than status, than background, than ethnicity, than social status, or anything else that we could come up with, abilities, as he interacts with the highest of highs and then the lowest of lows. Jesus has authority as the king, as the savior king, and he has authority over all things. What we also see, the second thing, the second point, I don't know if we're, look, there we go, I knew I I could trust in you, Michaela. Secondly, what we want to understand when looking at Jesus as Savior King is that we believe Jesus has power that is able to heal. Jesus' power is able to heal. We see his power being exercised in a specific way as he heals the son and the invalid here. Let's look at the two healings. The healing of the official son. The official comes from Cana. He, he, he's sick. He's struggling. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, look, my son is sick. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus kind of rebukes him right here. Jesus rebukes this official and says, all you care about is seeing signs. Now, I, know, I don't think Jesus actually thought that. Jesus knew what he was really sick. Jesus knew that his son was sick. But what Jesus, I believe, had to do was get the, get the official to the point of him recognizing his own powerlessness. If we believe that Jesus has the power, that means that we do not. And what we need to acknowledge and what we need to understand is that Jesus gets us to this point so that we can see who he truly is. What's the man's response when Jesus rebukes him? Verse 49 says, Sir, come down before my child dies. You know what he's saying? 
He's saying, look, you're right. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what it is. I can't, all I know is I can't do anything, and I heard you can. So I'm asking you to please help my son. He wanted him to re, to the man to fully embrace his powerlessness. And Jesus, guess what? Jesus heals him instantaneously, just right there. Right there, 20 miles away. Doesn't even go see him, doesn't even go up with him. He just says, your son will live, and he's healed right then and there. How do we know that? Because the servants come to him and give an account as he's walking the 20 miles back. He says it happened yesterday. He tells him when did he, get, when did he start getting better. He tells him the time and he remembers, hey, this was right when Jesus said that. Jesus instantaneously, right there immediately, heals the son. Because he has power over all things. He has authority over all things. Look at the healing of the invalid for 38 years. He has been, we know from scripture, that he has been an invalid for a long time. 38 years is a long time waiting for something to happen. Boys and girls, y'all ever get impatient? How many of you get impatient? Raise your hand, right? So how, how many of adults, how many, do we, how many times have we ever gotten impatient? That's right. Can you imagine waiting 38 years, being completely helpless, hoping, hoping that this might be the day that something changes? We know, he says, based on his account to Jesus, he says, I've been here, I can't get myself in the pool. And they believe the pools had healing abilities, and they hoped that if nothing else, it would just have medicinal purposes and help heal and soothe them. And he says, every time I try to go get in the pool, someone else beats me to it, right? Talk about just a heartbreak after heartbreak. Letdown after letdown. He realizes there may be no hope. 38 years of waiting, hoping just to be disappointed. We need that kind of waiting sometimes. Sometimes we need the longevity of expectation. And then along comes Jesus. He doesn't even need the pool. He doesn't help him get in the pool. Why? Because he has authority over all things. He doesn't need the pool. He has power over all things. He has the power to heal him right then and there without the help of the pool. And he heals him. And he says, do you want to be well? And, he, and, and the man gives the argument, he gives the understanding, he says, take up your bed and walk. Jesus has the ability to heal. But can I tell you, can, I, can we just look and see, there's actually a bigger healing here in this passage. There's a bigger healing that we unpack in this passage. Jesus can heal and does heal physical disabilities. He does heal physical ailments. He, we see this in this account. But guess what else we also see? He, we see a spiritual healing and a spiritual cleansing that comes through Jesus as well. What happens when Jesus told the, told the official that the son was healed and he went and heard the account that it had happened? Look at verse 53. It says, The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live, and he himself did what? He believed. And, and the, the official believed in Jesus. We know the account later on when Jesus is interacting with the invalid. He comes back. He doesn't know who healed him, and he finds him. And Jesus says, look, you are well. Now go and sin no more. He ties in that there's something more than, than just this physical healing. There's a spiritual healing that has come from him. God does work in our lives. And what we reveal here is that there's a bigger need in our lives. And the ultimate need is not a healing of the body, but rather a healing of the heart. 
The ultimate need is not a healing of the body, but rather a healing of the heart. Jesus has come to heal our hearts, our hearts that were full of sin, our hearts that were full of, 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 of rebellion, of anger. And Jesus shows that even in the physical signs and acts that he accomplishments, he's doing them for a greater purpose. And boys and girls, God does things in our lives for the main purpose to show us who he is and what he's asking us to do. And that is to believe that he is our savior and our king. He has come with the ability to save us and to heal us. He's come with the ability to heal our hearts. There's another account in Mark chapter 2 where the, the, paralytic, the, the paralytic and the, and the four friends bring their friend, their paralyzed friend to see Jesus and they can't get in the house. And so what do they do? They just go pack up and go home? No. What do they do? They get on the roof. Now, if I'm the owner of this house, I'm mad right now. I'm just telling you right now. They get on this roof and they start chipping away at this roof. Remember, in those times, the houses were made out of clay. They were made out of, out of, out of clay and dirt. And so all of a sudden, they're chipping away and they're breaking through this roof. I, I just picture the people sitting in the house, Jesus sitting there, and like crumbs just kind of start following falling. You know, it's kind of that slow-mo. And all of a sudden, something gives way, and the roof gives way, and a hole is big enough for them to lower their friend down. And they lower the friend down, and Jesus looks at them and sees their faith, and what does he say? Son, you are healed, right? No. He looks at them and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Wait a minute. They weren't coming to be forgiven. They weren't coming to, to for, for him to deal with any of that, they just wanted their friend to be able to walk. And he says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees argue and they're battling and they're, they're kind of grumbling amongst themselves. And guess what? He say? Jesus realizes what's going on. And look at verse 8. Begin in verse 8 with me and see what Jesus says. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know, catch this right here, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them. So they were amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is showing everyone. He's showing people in that town, people in other towns. He's showing people of the world that he is the Savior King, having authority over all things with the power to heal all things. Most importantly, the power and the ability to heal our broken heart that has been broken through sin. Now, the problem is, is that we want this. To a degree. We want this healing. We want this power to a degree. Many of us, we, we've probably been in that situation. We're, we're begging God and we're saying, God, we need you to do something right here. You know, if you'll just do this right now. And we really, really want and we believe and we trust in it. But what we need to understand is we don't get the power without the authority. We don't get the power of Jesus without the authority of Jesus. 
If we're asking him to do something, guess what? He's asking us to do something as well. And the greatest thing he's asking us to do is not that we would come to church, not that we'd even be baptized or that we'd be faithful attending a church or give money to a church or anything like that. He's asking us, will we follow and trust in him in everything that we do, every area of our lives, good and bad. Jesus has authority over all things. Jesus has power to heal, most importantly, our greatest need, which is our heart. You see, our Savior King is not just over sickness and death, but greater over sin and death. But there's a conflict that we have to understand, that we're confronted with. Boys and girls, here's the last, here's the last point, the last po- blanks to fill in. If we believe all this, if we believe that Jesus is Savior King, then here's what we're saying we believe. We believe that Jesus gets to have authority over us and use his power in us and through us. We believe that Jesus gets to have authority over us and use his power in us and through us. What we mean by that is we believe that Jesus is the king. You could go ask any of these five kids that went through the, bapti- the, the baptistry pool this morning. The conversation I have with, had with each of them was understanding who we, who we were created by and what image we're made in, what separated us from God, which was our sin, what Jesus came to do for us, which was live the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we should have died, and then who Jesus has to be in our lives. And I tell each and every one of them, when I get to that point, Jesus is king. And I ask these two questions. Who gets to make the rules? The king or the people? The king makes the rules. Who's in charge of following? The king or the people? The people follow the king. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of us, Jesus came. As your Savior King. He has authority over every single inch of our lives. Whether we acknowledge it or not. It's not a battle of power as if we could outpower God. He has rightful authority over all things. And He has the power to heal us. And to work in us and through us. But we have to surrender to Him. What do we see in the, in, in the passage? We see the Pharisees getting upset. We see them wanting to kill him. They want to arrest him. They want to get rid of Jesus. Why? Be, not because he did this healing, but because he claimed to be bigger than the Sabbath, which is one of their main beliefs. And Jesus says, I'm over all that. And they didn't like that. See, there's going to be a point where Jesus confronts you and me every day. And we have the decision that we get to make, whether he will be king Or will try to be. Is Jesus Savior King in your life? I'd ask the band to come up. Boys and girls, y'all did awesome today. I'm so glad to have y'all in here. And the invitation is for any and all of us. Not just our kids. Not just our guests. Any of us. 
we need to ask the question, is Jesus Savior King in our lives? He alone and He alone is worthy for it. He alone, as we sang earlier, Jesus paid it all. All to Him what? I owe. Why? Because He's the one who did what we could not do. Jesus is calling you today to trust in Him as Savior King. Maybe that's the first time invitation for today and you need to put your hope and trust in Him today. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for years and all we're asking is that you would take that next step in making sure He is Savior King. Every day I have to fight that battle. Every day I have to acknowledge and get up and say, Jesus, you're King, I'm not. And if Jesus is not king in any area of your life, then he's not king over all your life. If there's one area he's not king, then every area is not king because we don't get to pick and choose that. You put your hope and and your trust in him, believing and asking him to have authority to be king and to save us and send his spirit to dwell within us. Let's pray. Father God, we trust in you now. And we thank you for the belief that you are our Savior King. You are the Savior of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. The payment, the sacrifice that we could never give. But God, as we continue on in the study of the Gospel of John, I believe we're going to, we easily begin to unpack and see that it's not just about you saving us. It's about you ruling rightfully over us. So God, I pray that you would remind each of us, show each of us where we stand. Are we standing in submission to the king? Are we allowing your authority to have power and to work in us and through us? Or are we trying to be king or queen in our own lives? God, we'll never be satisfied until you are fully and rightfully king. Have freedom to work in our midst now. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.